we doing tonight? Man, it is so good to be with you guys today. Those of you in the room, man, what an honor it is to have you here. Is my voice like crazy right now? What an honor it is to have you here. Those of you online, man, we're so excited. You literally could be anywhere in the world. You might be anywhere in the world right now, but we're so glad that you're with us. And uh, truly, truly is an honor. And tonight, we, I'm not used to talking this low. Uh, tonight, we're going to be uh, ending our series. Oh. And uh, we've been journeying through the life of Joseph over the last few weeks. Anybody been loving this series? And... Uh, I love Joseph, I love his story, and um, I'm just truly expectant for what God is going to do tonight, and um, I, my heart, as I was preparing, I, I really want to encourage us, what we learned in week one, week two, week three, and what we're going to learn tonight, my hope is that you could continue, even though we're not talking about it anymore, you could continue to uh, use it in your life. You can continue every single day to think through temptation, think through trials and the things that we learn. And so my hope is that this isn't just a series that you hear about and then you kind of brush over it and you're like, cool, that was awesome. Let's move on to the next thing. But my hope is that you would actually live out all of the different things that we've been talking about. And if I'm honest with you, the reason I love this series is because we've been talking about a lot of things that I'm currently living out right now in my own personal life. And so I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me as well. And uh, I just want... And... Uh, Man, I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. Is my voice sounding a little bit better right now? All right, we're sounding better. I'm not screaming at you guys, not yet. <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for each and every single person that is in this room right now, those watching online. And God, I pray that you would continue to speak to us. God, we want to hear you. And uh, God, we're already witnessing you from the start of service, and we're, you're just going to continue moving, and you're already stirring in people's hearts. People already got baptized. I mean, people worshiping. It is special what we get to be a part of, God, and I pray that we never take these moments for granted. I pray, God, that this message would speak to every single one of us in, in a new way, God, whether it's a scripture we already heard or it's something we already heard. God, I pray that it would speak tonight to each and every single one of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, recently I realized that um, I've been talking about Disney a whole lot. Uh, I, I, so I got a pass for the first time in my entire life. And uh, I feel like I've been talking about it a lot, so I'm so sorry if I talk about Disney a whole lot. But I know that there's a lot of you that have Disney passes. Raise your hand if you have a Disney pass in here. Man, there's a lot of people that have Disney passes. Uh, the other day, this is not where I'm going, but the other day, Jessica and I, we... Uh, <laughs> it was Thursday. And we had told a crew of people, hey, go to Disney tomorrow, go to Disney tomorrow, go to Disney tomorrow, it's going to be awesome, we have reservations, we're ready to go, go to Disney. And Friday comes around, we look in the afternoon, we're eager to get, oh, I didn't have the luxury to have Disney passes like you do, but every single year, my family and I, we would go to Disney World. Anybody been to Disney World? Oh, a few of you, yeah, come on. I saw that hand go up real quick. 
Uh, so I grew up going to Disney World, and every single year around Easter break, we would go to Disney, and it was, uh, it was the best time of our life. We would caravan, we would drive there about 24 hours, and there was uh, a bunch of our friends that went, my parents' friends, and usually what we would do is we would have like a, a kid car, and obviously there'd be an adult driving, don't worry, and then there would be like adults in their car with the luggage, and we would honestly have the time of our lives, and this was one of the first times I had gone. I was four years old. And uh, each day what we would do is we would typically go to a different park because there, it, it's, it's massive Disney World. And so this particular day, I was at Epcot. Anybody, anybody been to Epcot? Oh, okay. I thought I was the only one for a second. Uh, so, so this particular day, we were in Epcot, and uh, I was four years old. And, and I remember that um, my... When you go with a big group of people, there's a whole lot of us, uh, you have a lot of stops for the bathroom, and there's a lot of people that want to eat at all different times. So I remember everybody's eager to get onto this one ride, but my dad is like, hey, I got to use the bathroom. So we're like, ah, my four-year-old self, imagine Steve at four years old, right? And so my dad's like, I got to head over to the bathroom. So we're waiting in a group because we did everything together. And so we got our friends there. We got our parents' friends there and everybody's together. And we're waiting for my dad to go to the bathroom. And as my dad is running towards the bathroom, because everybody's eager to get onto this next ride, I think it's a good idea to follow my dad. And so I turn, I turn to my mom, like, hey, mom, I I'm going to go follow dad to the bathroom. I'm four years old. So my mom screams at my dad, hey, Steve's coming with you. My dad's like, Yeah. And so my dad runs over to the bathroom and guys, I never made it to the bathroom. And so sure enough, uh, my dad went to the bathroom and from, I had, have no idea what transpired in, a mo in that moment, but all I remember is I was walking by myself holding on to a stroller that I thought was my mom's stroller. I thought I was with my mom. I look up and it's this random woman that's looking at me like, who is this kid? And I'm looking up like, who is this? You're not my mom. And I got lost at Disney. At four years old, I mean, that was the first trip. I, we would go back every single year after that. But I remember being lost in Disney World. And for the longest time, we would talk about this story. We would laugh about it. And I would kind of get sad at times. I'm like, I'm four years old. Like, are you kidding me? I got lost. And so everybody's freaking out at this point, all the people that we're with. And they're like, dude, where is little Steve? And so everybody's looking around. My mom runs over to the people that are like running security or whatever they do over there. And she's like, hey, my son is four years old. He's lost. He was supposed to go to the bathroom with my husband, but he never made it over to the bathroom. And so we have no idea where he is. So everybody's on this manhunt looking for me. And finally, they find me holding on to this stroller that wasn't ours. And I remember thinking about that story this week because Jess and I, we were in a conversation in we were talking about childhoods and uh, I don't do too well when it comes to my childhood. I had an amazing childhood, but when I hear stories like that, I tend to cry. I don't know why. I look at baby pictures and I cry and my parents are like, dude, you had a really good life. Why do you cry? I'm just so emotional. And so I don't do too well, but anyway, we're talking about our childhood. And then we started talking about how there's this movement right now in our, amongst our generation where people or you see it on social media, people are really trying to learn more about themselves. Every single day, people are trying to figure it out, figure out why they do the things that they do, why it is they act the way that they act. And I think of tests like the Enneagram. And I know people are all over this, the, the place with that. Some people love it. Some people are like, no, that's not me, dude. Some people are like, I have no idea what the Enneagram is, but it's this personality test. 
where there's nine types of personalities, if you will, and uh, some of them, they all have like pros and they have cons. Maybe not pros and cons is the best word to use, but they all have different things that we can learn about ourselves. And so, for example, for me, I'm a two on the Enneagram. I'm a helper. And so, but a lot of the Enneagram is tied to how we were raised as individuals. I think of, oh, that, that's the word I wanted to say, strengths and weaknesses. Let me clarify, not pros and cons. There's strengths and there's weaknesses with the Enneagram. And so we got the Enneagram that people are learning about themselves with. And then we got 23 and me. Anybody uh, 23 and me or ancestry.com? I remember Jessica for Christmas, she's like, I just want a 23andMe kit. I'm like, I don't even know what 23andMe is. So we had to do some research and we found out what 23andMe is, but she really wanted to know, where did my family come from? Or I think of people that are um, wanting to learn more about themselves by reading their daily horoscopes. And every day I see people like posting their horoscopes and I'm like, that's not even real, come on. But people are really, and sorry, if, if, sorry. <laughs> but, but every single day, we're trying to learn more and more about ourselves. And you know what I love? I love that people are trying to learn about themselves. I love that people are trying to look back at their life and perhaps look at some childhood wounds that they have. Look at some stories that, that their parents tell them and they wonder why it is, they act, why they act the way they do, or they look back at moments in their life when they experience hurt, they experience pain. That comes a lot when it comes to learning about ourselves. And so what happens is we're, we're here in a generation where we're trying to learn more about ourselves, we're trying to heal from our past, we're trying to figure it out, the, the, the reasons we do, the things we do, and we're trying to figure it all out. But, but the problem is when we bring up these hurts to the surface, when we learn more about ourselves, it kind of opens up some old wounds perhaps, some old stings and some hurt and some pain that we've endured. Maybe in, when we were little, maybe in middle school, maybe in high school, maybe it's just recently in a breakup and we're opening up a whole lot of hurt in our lives. But then what happens is we live in a world, we live in a culture that tells us to heal differently than how God tells us to heal. And so what happens is we, we, we have these, these hurts that we've experienced and the world says, man, if somebody hurt you, you could just become indifferent toward that person that hurt you. You know, you could disassociate yourself with them. I mean, they hurt you in the first place, so you really don't have to associate yourself or um, you could get payback for the wrong that they did to you. That friend that talked bad behind your back, that person that said that mean comment that still haunts you. I remember as I'm going through this message, I'm thinking through some comments that people made about me. And as a human, I wanna just mm, give it to them, right? Like I wanna give them payback. Like why are you so mean to people? And then the world has us heal that way. And then, God has us heal a very different way. And he's like, no, 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 that, that's not the way. You don't disassociate yourself with people. I want you to show compassion toward other people. I want you to love your enemies. And here we are opening up these hurts. We're learning about ourselves in, in some new and profound ways. And then we're in a culture that has us heal perhaps two different ways. God says one way and culture says another way. 
And it's important that we talk about this tonight because I want us to follow what God says, not what culture says. And this does not mean that we minimize the hurt that we've experienced. This does not mean that we just sweep everything under the rug because we have to love our neighbor. We have to turn the other cheek. That does not mean we do that at all. But, but what it does mean is that God loves you and I so much that he doesn't want what somebody, someone else did to us to define us. He wants what he did to define us. And so maybe you're in here today and, and you're thinking through what I'm talking about and maybe a hurt that you've recently discovered or something that you're going through is uh, you had a group of friends that you did everything with and then one day they just turned their back on you. And now you're trying to process, you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I heal the way that God wants me to heal? Maybe this is a conversation that you never even thought about and maybe these things are reoccurring in your life but you're kind of just sweeping it under the rug and tonight I believe that God's saying, hey, I want you to heal my way. Or maybe you just got out of a dark relationship and there's hurt on both sides and maybe you're trying to heal from the hurt that you've experienced there. Maybe it's a family member that you looked up to for a really long time and they betrayed your trust, made some harsh comments about you and now you're really trying to navigate, okay, how do I handle this hurt? How do I deal with this pain that I've brought up to the surface or or maybe I haven't brought up to the surface but as I'm listening to you talk, I'm realizing that there's some hurt in my life. Maybe it was a comment, like I said, that somebody made. And that's why I wanna talk about this topic tonight because I believe out of all the people we could talk about, one of the best would be our guy, Joseph. And so tonight I wanna spend the next few moments talking from the subject of how do I heal from my past? How do you and I heal from our past? And like I said, if there's anybody that could speak to us, it would be our guy, Joseph. My man was thrown into a well by his brothers. They tried to kill him. They sold him into slavery. He was eventually thrown into prison for something he didn't do. I mean, this dude had a lot of hurt. This dude experienced a lot of trial in his life, a lot of trials in his life. It seemed like trial after trial after trial, barrier after barrier after barrier. And so tonight I wanna talk from his life on how we can heal from our past. And I have two thoughts that I wanna share with you guys today, but before we do that, I wanna start off in Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45, and I wanna give some context and really paint the story of what's happening and bear with me because there's a lot going on, but we got our guy named Joseph. And like we've been talking about throughout this series, he's, he's got a gift that God's given him where he can interpret dreams. And last week, like we talked about, uh, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, He has these two dreams and he's going around and he's looking for somebody that could interpret these dreams. And back then, dreams were a really big deal. They were an indication of what was to come. And so Pharaoh is dying to know, what what are these dreams about? And so Pharaoh is looking all over for people, trying to figure out who can interpret my dream. He's probably reading some books. He's probably trying to figure out, hey, can you get me the best people that can interpret this dream? And there's nobody that can interpret it for him. And then the cupbearer, like we talked about, his cupbearer randomly has a thought pop into his brain and he's like, hey, there's a guy, his name is Joseph. Joseph was in prison with me a few years ago. I kind of forgot about him, even though he told me to remember him. And Joseph was in prison with me and Joseph interpreted my dream and the baker's dream and he was accurate, it came to life. 
And so Pharaoh's like, okay, I want you to go down to the dungeon, go get Joseph, pull him out of prison. And finally, two years later, Joseph is pulled out of prison. He's talking to Pharaoh and Pharaoh tells him his dream. So he's sitting across from Pharaoh and Pharaoh's like telling him his dream. And then Joseph interprets the dream and he's like, Pharaoh, here's what your dream means. It means that in seven, for, for seven years, there are gonna be seven amazing years in the land of Egypt. Seven amazing years, seven years of blessing, seven years of growth, seven years of prosperity. But after those seven years of blessing, there's gonna be seven bad years. And during those seven bad years, there's gonna be a famine in all the land. And so what you gotta do is you need to store up food in the seven good years so that you can provide for your people in the seven bad years. And so Pharaoh's listening to all this and he's like, dude, you're a really smart guy, Joseph. I want you to be in charge. And he calls Joseph to be the number two, the second in command in all of Egypt. And so Joseph is now running things in Egypt and he's doing what the dream, what, what he told Pharaoh that she, he should be doing. And so he's, he's making sure that he's being a good steward over all the resources so that the, the, the seven good years could last in the seven bad years so they could have crop to feed their people. And Joseph is running things and things are going really well during the seven years. And then there's seven bad years. And where we find our story today we're two years into the seven bad years when all of a sudden Joseph's family get, gets hit with the famine. And the famine just wasn't in Egypt. The famine was all over the land. And so Joseph's family, two years into the famine, are like, oh my gosh. His dad Jacob goes to his sons and he's like, guys, you gotta go to Egypt. I hear that there's food over there and you gotta go get some food for us. Otherwise, we're gonna die. And so these guys, they're in Canaan. They walk or they head over to Egypt, which is a really long journey. They make it over to Egypt and they, they go there and the dad's like, do whatever you gotta do, but make sure you get your food. And so they go over and the brothers are standing across from Joseph. Joseph's number two, he's the one handing out this food. I mean, for the first time in about 20 years, they're face to face with their brothers with their brother, but the only thing is his brothers have no idea that it's Joseph. Last time they saw him, they sold him into slavery. And so Joseph knows that he's across from his brothers. His brothers have no idea that he's across from them. They just think he's this Egyptian official. And so they go and they get some food and Joseph has a conversation with them and he's like, hey, I'm gonna give you this food and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some other stuff, but here's what I want you to do. When you make your way back to Egypt, once this food runs out, I need you to bring your, your brother back. Your, your baby brother didn't travel with you, I need you to bring him back. And so sure enough, they grab all their food, they grab all their stuff, they head back to their dad where they're at and they're like, hey, we're back, dad. They, they're eating and then they run out of food. And so sure enough, they got to travel back to Egypt. And so they're getting ready to prepare to go back to Egypt. Dad's like, boys, we're out of food. You know, we don't want to die. You got to head back over to Egypt and get our food. And then they're like, hey, dad, I just want to let you know, uh, the guy that's in charge over there, he, he told us that we got to bring our little brother with us the next time we come back. And the dad's like, uh, what? 
Uh, the last time you took my son Joseph, he never made it home. He's like skeptical. He's trying to figure out like, do I really want these guys to take my son? What happens if he doesn't come back? But he, he, they need food. And so he's like, well, I guess I got to send my son. And so they send all of, he sends all of his boys to Egypt to pick up food. And so here they are, Joseph, the, his brothers make it back to Egypt. And now it's Joseph face to face with his brothers again. Now, it's not the first time, it's the second time. They still have no idea that their brother is running things. I mean, these guys probably never told anybody what happened to their brother in Gosham, in that land when they threw him into the pit, when they sold him into slavery. No one has a clue, only they know. And that's where our story picks up today. In Genesis chapter 45, starting in verse one, it says this. It says, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is your father still living? I love that. Like the first question he says is, is our dad still living? Just shows his heart. But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. And I wanna cut Joseph off for just two seconds because the the first thought that I have for us tonight when it comes to healing from our past The first thought that I want to leave with us is this. We need to understand that forgiveness actually frees us. Forgiveness actually frees us. Like, I feel like in this moment right here, it's one of the most dramatic moments in all of Scripture. Joseph's brothers, they finally make their way back to Egypt for the second time in the famine to buy food. And now they're face to face with their brother who they wronged who they haven't seen in about 20 years. And here they are thinking that it's this Egyptian official. And so from their vantage point, they're seeing this Egyptian official, AKA we know him as Joseph, clearing out the room where everybody's standing. I mean, there's all sorts of people in this room and he's like, get out of here, leave guys, get out of here. And now all of a sudden he's not kicking anybody out, only the brothers. And so now the brothers are probably thinking, okay, what is going on? And it's probably a little bit awkward. I read into this because I'm like, dude, this dude is crying. Like, could you imagine a grown man? Like, I mean, I'm a crier, okay? So I'm not throwing shade at grown men, but could you, could you imagine you go to this Egyptian official who's running things? This dude is sobbing, clearing out the room, telling everybody to go. Like, my palms are sweating at that point. My knees are weak. I won't finish that. And so these guys, these guys are probably freaking out. Like, why does this guy want to talk to us? And then Joseph drops this news and he's like, hey, I'm your brother, Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his, at his presence. And so Joseph reveals exactly who he is. And I love it. His brothers were speechless. I, I mean, You would probably be speechless if that happened to you. I probably would be speechless crying with him as this is happening, as he's dropping this news to me. Like the brother that we put in a pit, the brother that we sold into slavery is now face to face 
and he's serving us. He's giving us food. I mean, everything is in Joseph's hands right now. He's got life and death in his hands, if you think about it, because if he doesn't give him the food, he decides to hold back. They're not gonna have much food. They're not gonna have any food. But Joseph, I love his response in this moment, and his response really stands out to me. Because instead of getting payback, instead of seeking revenge, I mean, if that was me, I would probably try to seek revenge. I would probably try to get payback in that moment. I mean, it's just me and my brothers, the the guys that did all of this hurt, all of this damage to me. The guys that are the reason I was put in a prison and people forgot about me. Those guys are standing across from me and Joseph reveals it to them and he's like, hey, I wanna let you know that you're forgiven. And I believe even before this moment happens, and he doesn't say those words, but I believe his actions show it. But, but I believe even before this happened, Joseph forgave his brothers in his heart long before this moment. I believe in the waiting season, God was working on his heart. While, while he was in that well, while he's working for Potiphar, while he's fleeing temptation, God was working on his heart for this moment right here. And can I tell you tonight, Christians, wherever you find yourself, the greatest thing we can do to heal from our past is forgive people. To forgive people that wronged us. To forgive people that hurt us. Because forgiveness actually frees us. And I feel like sometimes we think of forgiveness as like, it has like this weird connotation where we're like, okay, so you're telling me to forgive this person. And if I forgive this person, that means like I'm telling them and I'm justifying that it's okay that what they did to me, it was totally fine and we're just gonna sweep it under the rug. No, no, no. And so what happens is we get caught up into that trap sometimes. And so we're like, you know what? I'm not gonna forgive that person. Yeah, what they did to me was wrong. I'm, I'm gonna cancel them. I'm gonna tell them all the things that they did wrong. I'm gonna disassociate myself with them. I'm gonna get payback at them. And what happens is we don't forgive people and we hold on to this resentment. We hold on to this bitterness. We hold on to this offense and this envy. But can I tell you, it actually does more harm to us than to the other person. I heard it said like this, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, waiting for the other person to die. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, waiting for the other person to die. And so many people in our culture, so many people don't know how to forgive, perhaps don't want to forgive, and there they are slowly drinking poison, waiting for the other person to die. Meanwhile, it's just affecting them. Take a look at what Psychology Today says. It was an article that I found. It was interesting. It says this, forgiveness has has been shown to elevate our mood Enhance optimism and guard against anger, stress, anxiety, and depression. You guys aren't as wild as I was. Forgiveness does all of that. It alleviates. And that's crazy to me. And there's so many people that hold on to unforgiveness. There's so many people that hold on to bitterness. And can I tell you, you could be the best looking person in the world, but that's gonna come out one day. People are gonna see that. People are gonna be like, oh, I don't wanna be around that person. Man, every time I talk to them, they got something bad to say. 
They're always talking bad about people. And it's just, you're holding on to this resentment. Sometimes I'm holding on to this bitterness. But we gotta say today, and my hope and my prayer is this, I know it's a hard topic, it's not a topic that we always wanna talk about, but, but can we just stop drinking the poison? Can we just say, man, I know what that person did to me. I know that it's been challenging, but, but I'm not necessarily doing it for them, I'm doing it for me. Because I don't want to keep drinking poison waiting for something to happen to them because nothing's gonna happen. It's just eating me alive at this point. But we truly have to forgive. I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too, where we say we forgive somebody, but we don't actually mean it. And our actions will prove that. Like we're like, I'm not, I, I forgive you. Don't even look me in the eye right now. I forgive you. Oh, that person's coming. You see, I think sometimes we, we, we say that we forgive people, but we don't actually forgive them. And little by little, we don't show it, but we're, we're, we're growing apart from people. We're separating ourselves from people. It's, it's interesting, there's, there's one day uh, that the apostle Peter, he goes and he asks Jesus a similar question. And he says, Jesus, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, he says these words. And, and Peter is like, should, should I forgive them seven times? That's what Peter says. And Jesus replies to him and he says, no, forgive them 70 times seven. And so I imagine Peter, he's, he's doing all the math and he's like, um, I don't have enough fingers, but that's like 490 times. And then, okay, so I gotta forgive that person. That's 489, it's 487, 486. And he's doing this math, probably trying to figure out how many times and how many more people he has to forgive before he's like done forgiving people. The point is this, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're constantly having to forgive people. And you know what? It's the greatest thing in the world. It's way easier said than done, let me tell you that. But I'm so grateful because I'm forgiven in the life I get to live because God forgave me. It makes it way easier to forgive other people. And so when I'm told to forgive that many times, it's, it's not even a number. I'm like, it's easier said than done, but I want to keep relationship. And here's the thing. There's sometimes we go through hardship in life. There are some decisions that people make. There's hurt that we experience that wasn't necessarily God's plan for our life. We have free will and people make choices. We make choices. Sometimes our decisions lead to hurting other people and sometimes other decisions lead to them hurting us. But can I tell you, we're still called to forgive people. It might not mean that we become best friends with them again. It might mean that we gotta keep a distance. It might not mean that we're, we're gonna forgive them and we're gonna get right back into a relationship with them. That's not why we're forgiving them. We're saying, I'm forgiving you because I've been forgiven. I wanna stop drinking poison. I no longer am waiting for you to, to do anything in my life. I'm forgiving you. And Joseph did that. Joseph was like, man, I am forgiving my brothers long before I even see them. He's like, I know what they did wasn't right. I know all the things that they did. I know how much they hated me in their heart. But I'm gonna be the bigger person. I'm gonna forgive them. And so when he comes face to face, his brothers are nervous. 
when Joseph drops this news that he's Joseph, they're probably like, what's this guy gonna do to us? And all of a sudden he's like, dude, lean in. Come on, get over here, give me a hug. And he's encouraging them to lean in because that's what forgiveness will do sometimes. It doesn't mean because somebody said a mean comment that we just have to disassociate all the time. There's gonna be a time and a place where some people, we need to distance ourselves. But there's gonna be a time where we go through some hurdles in life and we could be friends with them again. And it creates that bridge. That's what forgiveness does. And so I love that Joseph does that. And the second thought that I have when it comes to healing from our past it's a mouthful. I try to narrow it down, but, but you're going to be writing for days. I'm sorry. Second thought is this. Choose to give God the glory for everything you've endured. Choose to give God the glory for everything you've endured. Take a look at what happens in Genesis 45, verse 5. It says this. Joseph's talking to his brothers, and he says, And now, do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves. Oh, I'm getting fired up right now. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save the lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there had been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there'll be no plowing and reaping. But God, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all of Egypt. Look at that right there. Joseph, he forgave his brothers, had that conversation with them. But what he understood was every single trial that he endured, every single heartache that he endured, God had a bigger plan for him. He looked over at his brothers and I'm sure there was conversations where they're like, bro, I'm so sorry for what you did to you. Like, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for, for creating this space where we could just talk us to you. kicked everybody out. That was, that was really nice to you. I know it was a hard conversation. I mean, you were crying. But, but, but thank you so much for that. And they're probably like, I'm so sorry though. And his brothers, before his brothers could probably say that, Joseph's like, dude, you're good. You know, I know you sold me into slavery. I know that you didn't like me. I know that you put me in a pit. And Joseph's like, but, but can I tell you, yes, you physically did that to me, but it wasn't you. It was God working behind the scenes the entire time to get me to this place where I'm at right now so that I could feed your people, so that I could feed my people, so that my family wouldn't die, so that other families wouldn't die. Joseph understood that whatever he endured, God had a bigger plan for his life. I think sometimes we could get into a situation and we don't see a way out. Can, can I encourage you that God is working behind the scenes? Like, like Joseph probably didn't sense God working while he was in the prison. Uh, did, did he sense God working when he was thrown into this well? I mean, could you imagine getting thrown like 10 feet deep into a well? Like I'm getting bruised at that point. I'm probably breaking an arm. I don't know, maybe not. But God was with him every single step of the way. And there's times and there's things in our life that we're going to have to endure. And we're going to need to hold on to the fact that God is with us working even when we can't see it. 
Even when we can't feel it, even when we don't realize, God, are you there? God is working behind the scenes. Your situation might feel hopeless. Don't count God out of it. You might be wondering, man, I don't know how I'm gonna forgive that person that hurt me. Give it to God. Bring God into the conversation. He's gonna show you how. I believe this. God will use our story for his glory. Every single one of us in here, God's gonna use our story for his glory. Joseph had the greatest perspective in the world. Joseph understood that whatever he endured, it wasn't his brothers that put him there, but it was God working behind the scenes to get him there. Can I tell you the next time you're in a hardship, understand that God is gonna be using that for your story? The next time you're dealing with this hurt, you're dealing with this pain that isn't fun, Try to keep a Joseph perspective and say, God, I don't like that I'm going through this, but I know you're one day gonna use it. I know you're gonna use my pain for a purpose. I know that you're gonna use my hurt for somebody else's hope. And there's, there's things in our life that I'm not saying it's gonna be easy, it's gonna be challenging, but can I tell you, we need to keep a Joseph perspective and say, man, whatever is happening in my life, God is gonna use it for his glory. And I believe that's one of the reasons why Joseph was able to forgive his brothers, why Joseph was able to be in this moment with them to feed the people that hurt him, to feed the people that caused so much pain. It's because he forgave them long before but a part of it was because he understood that God was with him in it. And sometimes we look at our problems and we think our problems are bigger than God. Can I tell you that God is in every single one of your problems, whether it's big or small, he wants to be with you and it breaks his heart just as much as it breaks your heart. But there are two words that really stand out to me that got me fired up. I'm literally screaming in my room as I'm preaching this message over and over again. And I don't know if you caught it. Joseph says it twice, but he says these two words. He says, but God, but God. There's something about but God. Put it in the chat, but God. You might be wondering, how could I forgive that person that took advantage of me? But God. You might be wondering tonight, I don't think I could ever heal from this hurt. But God. But God. You see, Joseph knew that God was with him. He, he says, it wasn't you that did this to me, but God was the one that orchestrated it all. God was the one behind the scenes. And some of us, we need a reminder, but God. Well, we need to tell ourselves, man, I know I'm not where I wanna be, but God isn't done with me yet. But God, I believe those two words, you need to highlight it, you need to highlight it, you need to underline it, you need to, whatever you gotta do, star it, but I believe you need to hold on to those two words, but God, because here's the thing. But God can change your entire heart, can change your entire situation, can change your entire life. But God, 
And I believe wherever we find ourselves, whatever season of life we find ourselves, we need to remind ourselves, but God. You see, Joseph said it twice. He said, I know that you thought it was you, but God was working behind the scenes and he is the one that actually sent me here. And earlier I was talking to somebody and we all have moments in our life that we kind of look back and we're like, oh, why did I do that? Like uh, we were talking earlier, Jessica and I, and uh, I was thinking about like just in elementary school and in middle school. And I'm like, why, what was I thinking when I dressed that way? Like, what was I thinking with that awful haircut? Like, we all have moments in our life when, when we look back and we're kind of like, oh, what? And then we have moments in our life, like the story that I shared earlier where I was at Disney and I got lost. And can I tell you, I can laugh about it now, but there are moments when I think about that story and I cry. And there are moments in our life where we look back and we're like, why did I have to go through that? Can I encourage you? But God, God's gonna use it for his glory. God's gonna use it, but you need to be willing to say, God, I know that I'm not happy with what transpired, but I want you to use it for your glory. And sometimes it means we tell people about what's happening. Sometimes we can encourage people with the struggles that we've endured, with the temptation that we've overcome. And it might be awkward. It might be the, the thing you don't feel most comfortable sharing about, but God could use that in a profound way to change somebody's life. But it requires you to share it. There, there's something that stood out to me and it might mean nothing to you. It meant everything to me. In chapter 41 of Genesis, Joseph is given two sons by God, Ephraim and Manasseh. The name Ephraim, I'm gonna butcher it. Let me, let me find it. Ephraim means fruitful. Manasseh means to forget. Don't tell me God wasn't working. This is in Genesis chapter 41. He had a son. I, could, could you imagine for a second that little boy running over to him? And every time he looked at him, he's like, that boy? I gotta forget and forgive my brothers for what they did to me. And every time he sees that other boy, oh, God's been good, man. He's been fruitful. He's been faithful to me. There's times that God's gonna do things in our life and he's gonna give us reminders, but it's not meant to look back and be like, oh, but it's meant to remind us of his goodness, of his faithfulness and that he was with us all along. And then earlier in the story, I didn't get to hit on it and I wanna hit on it briefly. Joseph's brothers didn't recognize him. Granted, there was a whole lot of years that transpired. He looked different. He's living in a different country. He's got a different role. He's not the 17 year old boy that he once was. But I believe that he looked different physically for sure, but his character looked different. His life looked different. Why? Because he was spending time with God. 
God was with him every single step of the way. And can I tell you, our lives should look different. The more time we're spending with God, our lives shouldn't look the same that they did two years ago. People should look at us and be like, dude, what happened to you? You were that guy? You're gonna bump into people and they're gonna be like, no, no. are you inviting me to church right now? Last we chatted, you hated the local church. Last we chatted, you didn't even believe in God. But God, but God got a hold of your life and now your life looks different. Joseph understood that God was with him every single step of the way. He didn't even just understand it, he acknowledged it. And I think some of us need to acknowledge that God is with us wherever we find ourselves.